Yo, yo, what is up, everyone? Pete Forsey, the podcast, episode 27, coming at you here on a Sunday afternoon once again, or a Sunday, I should say, last week. The Boozy podcast was a Sunday evening. Um, tying in a little bit of what I talked about last Sunday into this week, uh, that's going to relate to Baker Mayfield. It's going to tie in football as family and the entertainment aspect of that and kind of where I think that is currently in our society and, and why I think it's a bad thing. But, of course, this episode was completely turned upside down, um, kind of literally uh, speaking, as you'll, as you'll uh, learn later on in the podcast and what we dive into. But Andrew Luck abruptly retires. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the Colts in their future, why I still think they're very viable, Super Bowl viable heading into 2019. And I'm going to get back to St. Louis Cardinals. I haven't been talking about them as much, okay? Uh, NFL is kind of ramping up here. we got so many different storylines. I want to get prepared for that. I want to give you my thoughts on what each team's going to uh, do this season. Uh, And, of course, I'll get more into that as we get close to the regular season. But the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, they've won 12 of 15. They're in a delay right now. Uh, They garner my attention. So let's get to it. It's episode 27 of the podcast. You just never know when the NFL is going to take over your day. I was fully content with uh, watching baseball and football. I had dual monitors going. I was watching Bears, Colts, and I was watching Cardinals, Rockies. Just yesterday evening, Saturday, I'm coming to you here on uh, on August 25th. It's a Sunday afternoon that I'm recording here once again on the podcast, and Andrew Luck just takes over. The NFL takes over once again, and it's why I love this league for many other reasons. I I obviously just love the sport and watching that game itself, but just the news cycle. You never know what's going to happen. And an elite, a Hall of Fame potential quarterback has now retired at the age of 29. Andrew Luck, the Indianapolis Colts, has hung it up. The injuries are too much, he says. He can no longer bear the rehab, the physical as well as mental exhaustion that it takes. And good for him. Good for him. I'm just like everybody else here. I hope that brings you happiness. I hope you are now fulfilled. If anything, it's bringing you peace knowing that I'm better off not bearing this. I'm better off not going through this. I don't need football just to be happy. A lot of people aren't like that. A lot of athletes aren't like that. Tom Brady needs football. Most athletes do need it. It's a way of life. And that's okay, too. I tip my cap to those that find happiness outside of a sport despite it taking that much commitment. And Andrew Luck's now going to be much happier. Good for him. Um, One thing that I'm not, I'm not sad for Andrew Luck. I mean, not really. I mean, I'm sure he would like to play football. That would be his preference. So I am, uh, I, I will have disappointment for the fact that he can't do the job that he wants to do. It would be a very good world if everybody had the job that they wanted uh, and obviously got paid, you know, h- how they wanted as well. That would be good. But do I feel bad for Andrew Luck, who's made $100 million, whose dad is, <laughs> let's say, pretty well connected? Do I feel too bad for him? No, I don't. It's the same reason I didn't feel that bad for, you know, f- for coaches when they get fired. You're usually paid to, to walk away. Mike McCarthy, Packers guy, Packers head coach, he's getting paid 
not to coach the team. I don't feel too bad for Andrew Luck. He's going to be fine. He's going to have plenty other endeavors that bring him happiness, uh, at least close to football. Maybe not as much, but you know, there's plenty of people out there who never even get a crack at their dream job. Why? Because they don't have the financial means. Whether they're born into it, uh, or, or you know they they were in a tough situation where they had to uh, help somebody out. They can't even they don't even get a shot at their dreams because they don't have the financial wherewithal. Um, so you know I can't feel too bad for him. And, and number two, and you know I'm seeing this a lot already from you know the internet and you know just the pieces I've read uh, at various outlets, various outlets. That, you know, the Colts also, you know, they have a hand in this. You know, their medical staff, Ryan Grigson. And you know what? You're totally right. I wouldn't say they had the best medical team. I wouldn't say Ryan Grigson was ever qualified to run uh, an organization in the NFL from a GM perspective. I will give you that. But you know what? I said it just last week. Last week on the Boozy Podcast. Go ahead and, you know, maybe let, let your ear hear that one, okay, in case you missed it. I said it just last week. After a full day here in Chicago, Andrew Luck brings these injuries on himself as well. The guy has readily admitted, he has said out loud, I do not like letting plays die. Well, you know what? What happens there is you have a lot of chronic injuries, major surgeries, injuries in which you're out for several games when you play like that. When you readily admit to me that's how you're going to go about playing quarterback, you're going to take some you're going to suffer some blows, man. Instead of getting rid of the football and throwing it out of bounds as a defensive end is bearing in on you, he's going to crush you. Instead of letting a play die, punting the ball away, and letting the defense do the work for that game and understanding that, instead you th- you throw the ball uh, down the field, interception, and in the process you get crushed. Th- these add up. They add up. When you stick in the pocket way too long, trying to make the play, trying to stay on time, that's 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 when pressures happen, man. That's when you get knocked down. I I can't feel too bad for him. Part of it is the style of play he chose to go about. Now the hap- the good thing is, one thing I'm happy about it is he's not walking away with any chronic injuries, okay? He'll get over his ankle injury, obviously. He won't have to prepare himself to play football. He can just prepare himself for everyday life. The shoulder, he doesn't have to worry about throwing, you know, footballs every day at practice. His shoulder will be fine. He'll be able to uh, to tailor it to his lifestyle afterwards. He's an awesome human being. I think we all can agree that. He was always my kind of makeup. Not going to talk too much. Going to give you the coach speak. I'm all about the team. You know, he's kind of nerdy in a way. And so, you know, I kind of like when quarterbacks are a little bit nerdy, okay? If I'm a coach, if I'm a GM, I, I that's what I kind of want. I don't want to have to worry about yet at 2 a.m. I don't want. I don't have to worry about you uh, popping off in a GQ article. That's a hint of things to come. Andrew Luck, outstanding guy. I don't feel too bad for him. I'm sad that I don't get to watch him. That's my selfishness coming out. But you know what? The, at the same time, I'm happy that he's happy. So you know what? I'm already over it. I was disappointed initially. It's now Sunday, uh, and you know what? I'm over it. No more Andrew Luck. He's happy. I say okay. Let's move on. And moving on means. Jacoby Brissett. I tweeted it out immediately after a few, it followed a few series of tweets just talking about Andrew Luck. But I said, can the 2019 Colts, can they still win a Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? 
the answer to that is yes. It is. I, I've thought that before, and I, I, you better damn believe Chris Ballard thinks the same thing. He thinks the same thing. He didn't trade him for a second-round pick. That's how valuable he was to the team as far as Andrew Luck at the time and his injury history. They said, you know what, it's not even worth surrendering a second-round pick because Andrew's hurt all the time. But also, I think it speaks to his talent, to his skill set, his overall potential. Jacoby Brissett is a talented quarterback. Let's remind everyone, the reason he was drafted by the New England Patriots in 2016, the reason, Bill Parcells told Bill Belichick, you got to take this kid. You got to take this kid in the later rounds. He's a project, but the makeup, it's all there. The makeup is there. And you know how we all say, above the shoulders, very important with quarterback. Now, physical attributes matter too, okay? We won't discount those. Every You got to have some sort of talent. Jacoby Brissett's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. I really think it. He's unique. I don't think he has any one physical attribute that's like, wow, you know, it's not elite. I would, I would even venture to say maybe it's they're not even great. But nothing is abysmal. Nothing is just like, oh, jeez, you're going to have to compensate for that. You're re- Yeah, you're, you're going to have to protect against that. Or, you know, receivers, you're going to have to, you know, have them run shallow crosses for that. You can't. No. Jacoby Brissett, everything's good. I look at it. I'm just like, nothing jumps up the charts, but I'm looking at it. You know, if, if there was one thing I would say, footwork, not great. But, you know, good arm, not great arm. Solid ball, solid release. Sees the field well. And it kind of gives you this unique opportunity if you're Frank Reich, who, as we all know, pretty good at calling plays, pretty good at recognizing strengths and weaknesses and tailoring an offense to that, kind of gives you this unique opportunity to run a variety of different offenses um, with, you know, just solid quarterback play. I think you can run the play action, cut the field in half, chuck it deep down the field with Jacoby Brissett. You know, the Colts didn't do that too much because he was coming off shoulder surgery early in the year. You kind of saw it get more with Andrew Luck towards the end. But Jacoby Brissett, he's got some deep ball prowess. You can do that if that's how you want to play. But additionally, Jacoby Brissett's pretty good in the short and intermediate game. I would say he's got to improve in the middle of the field, but it's kind of like outside the numbers. I think he's pretty solid. That's when this RPO action comes in. This is when you see the Nick Foles stuff, which isn't exactly the same as, you know, the play action and, you know, just turning off half the field. I think Brissett, they can still win a Super Bowl with him at quarterback with this roster. I'm saying that not only because of Brissett the player, because of the Colts and their team. They've, they've gotten some defensive guys back. I like their secondary. I think Justin Houston's going to have a pretty good year for them in situational pass rushing. And overall, just like Matt uh, uh, Eberflus, former Cowboys defensive uh, uh, coach. Now he's the D.C. with the Colts. I not only like it for those reasons, but just look at the AFC. I mean, you got the Chiefs and Patriots. I would say they're shoe-ins, okay? They're, they're going to the playoffs. The next one, I, you would say the Chargers, okay? Injuries, if you want to say that they, they'll catch up to them and they'll get off to a slow start and that will cost them, okay. I could you know I could hear that argument. I think they're still going to be there. And then the Browns. I mean, you know, they're probably next level. After that, it's like those three, it's Chargers, uh, Patriots, Chiefs, and then the Browns are either in there, depending on if you want to put them there, or they're on the doorstep. After that, it's kind of just like, yeah, it, things could go every which way in the AFC. 
NFC, not the case. You got, I mean, you're going to have to fight it out. This is a very top-heavy AFC. And I think the Colts are still there despite losing Andrew Luck. I think that that's what you say to their uh, play calling on offense and defense and just the talent uh, on their roster. Um, Jacoby Brissett, I think if you want to give him a comp, his best comp as far as ceiling, I think you could see... Hmm, you know, I, I hate to say this name because I think his ceiling is both ceilings. Basically, Dak Prescott, I think he could be Dak Prescott. Uh, and then maybe a little bit better because I think Dak Prescott can grow too because he's been, again, within a structure that's not that great. But let's give a better comp here. I would say Jacoby Brissett, he's kind of got like maybe like a Dante Culpepper thing going on here. Okay, he's mobile and he can, you know, evade uh, guys outside the pocket and make plays with his legs, but also, um, you know, have that touch on the run. I would, yeah, maybe like Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer without the interceptions. Like, Jake Plummer was always very talented, but, you know, he would always force a few things. I think that's the thing with Jacoby, too, is he, he's much better about that. That's been his thing since NC State. He doesn't throw. He's right in that range of, like, you know, 58 to low 60s completion percentage. That's what him and his team does. Uh, and he's going to throw touchdowns in the 20s, uh, you know, maybe 25s, and then he's not going to turn the ball over that much. He's not going to turn the ball over. And, you know, you complement that with a running game, which I like their running game. I like that kid, Hines. Okay, he was the big uh, difference maker in the playoffs against the Texans. I still like the Colts. I think they can uh, make a run with Jacoby Brissett. Brissett is only going to grow. I like the ceiling. Uh, his ceiling is right there with Dax. I don't think Dak Prescott has reached his ceiling. I think they can be in that great range potentially. Uh, well, you know, surrounded with the right play callers in the right organization. I think the Indianapolis Colts are definitely one of those teams. So, yeah, trending up Jacoby Brissett. I tell you what, he is, uh, you know, I think the IQ thing, it's only going to get better. Only going to get better. I think he's, uh, you can really tell there's a conscious approach to stay on schedule and to put the ball where the ball's intended to go for each play. Um, with that being said, he's got the playmaking ability. I think he's only going to grow. At this point, I see nothing that's too shaky, too tenuous to really say, oh, God, you got to compensate for that or that's really poor at this point in time. Everything's just kind of, it's kind of good. It's kind of good. And I think that's why the Colts held on to him. And I think it's why they're going to give him every shot to be the starting quarterback with luck now retired. Now, shifting gears to another organization. An organization that's been on national television, the Oakland Raiders. Of course, HBO Hard Knocks. Uh, they've been chronicled everything that's going on through training camp. One guy that I'm really getting down on, uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr. I think this guy is just weird in the sense that he has all the physical talent. Like, I see just physical gifts as far as arm talent, but fundamentally, he doesn't have it synced up. Like, poor footwork, uh, poor release. Like, he just flicks the ball. I just don't... I think it's good enough to be a started quarterback in the league, but it's also, you know, to take that next leap, to be that consistent winner, where you're, his team is a consistent winner, uh, and is always a force to be reckoned with. You know, I'm I'm just talking like you know, uh, like Joe Flacco quality. You know, like where it's just like oh, you know the Ravens they're going to give you the best shot. Not that they're always going to win games, uh, but like the Bengals and Andy Dalton, you know they're always going to give you the best shot. I don't think he has the what it takes to like galvanize the locker room. Like Andy Dalton, Flacco, those guys. At least you know they were going to come ready to play. 
They were going to come ready to play. Maybe when they got out there, you know, they didn't execute right. But guess what? You were they you were getting their best shot. I don't know if Carr's got that. Because all I see is a people pleaser. All he is is a people pleaser trying to, like, be tight with everybody. Like, you know, he's got his best wide receiver holding out because of the helmet. And he's th- acting like everything's all hunky-dory. He's, you know, back-tapping him, saying, I love you, bro. When in reality, it's just like, do you actually feel like that? And then, mind you, this is behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, he doesn't know cameras are on him at all these points. This is how he actually feels. And then you got the fact that, you know, he said he was, like, nervous, like, proposing to his wife. It's just kind of like, I I don't know, man. Just the guts. um, Just the mental makeup. Like, frankly, he was crying when he got hit in that game early last year in 2018. People said he wasn't crying, and the teammates came to his defense. It's like, no, you you looked like you fell off your bicycle as an 8-year-old. You were crying, and you look pretty weak, to be honest with you. Um, You know, these are just takeaways from Hard Knocks. I think John Gruden, um, I think he's he's got people on his side. You know, the cultures, you're setting the foundation there. Um, I kind of, as far as the staff, I feel like that might be a bit of an issue. I think that maybe he doesn't have like the uh, the assistant coaches quite in place, and sometimes that's that stuff takes time when you to build a staff because people got uh you know come off the books, their contracts got expire at other places, and then they can come over with you. Um, I, I do like Paul Gunther though. I think he's gonna make uh, Cleveland Farrell. I think he's gonna make him a viable, uh, worthy of that high pick that they took him with here in the 2019 draft. He's very raw at this moment, but I like Paul Gunther as far as molding. Uh, defensive lineman. He did that well in Cincinnati. Um, other hard knock takeaways, Jonathan Abram is just looking like a straight punk. Just a straight punk. Um, you know, he's just disobeying authority left and right, doing his own thing. Um, you know, he's he's totally for the cameras, for one. Every, every time you look, Jonathan Abram's up there. And I get that he's a first-round pick. But each time I see him coming over, to the cameras. So this guy's uh, going a little bit Hollywood already, despite, despite being a rookie. Um, but other than that, the the Hard Knocks has been kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm kind of searching for stuff to talk about here. And while it, I think maybe it's stuff to, like, note and everything, it's not, like, you know, headline things. It's nothing to look out for. Because everything's being suppressed by Antonio Brown, this helmet thing. Like, right now they're trying to sell... Matt Glennon and Nathan Peterman backup quarterback battle. And it's just like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. You have a star-studded uh, cast of Oakland Raiders. Like, Richie Incognito, where's he been? Vontez, where's he been? Uh, I mean, I- I'll even take uh, Tahir Whitehead and uh, Brandon Marshall's on the Raiders, right? Yeah, Brandon Marshall, the linebacker. Uh, who else you got? I mean, there's guys to, like, be talking about here on the Oakland Raiders, and I'm getting, like, I mean, bless it, it's a great story, but, you know, the guy that was, like, you know, doing coding or, uh, you know, doing the purple drink and, uh, you know, cocaine and stuff. Uh, I mean, that's a good story. I like hearing that. I I hope he's a good tight end this year. But, uh, you know, other than that, it's kind of just like, this has been weak. They're trying to sell the backup quarterback battle to me. Um and, you know, they're picking and choosing what goes in from the A-B helmet and foot stuff. And, you know, it just hasn't been as fun. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with the hard knocks. I hope something good comes out. Uh, maybe with the Andrew Luck news here, we'll we'll find something related to that that the Raiders talk about. That'll be, I don't know, interesting. Maybe they got some former teammates over there. But overall, kind of been a, kind of been a bit of a, a bust, if you will. 
But one thing's for sure, Derek Carr definitely trending down for me. You know, the good thing about the Andrew Luck retirement coming out when it did is that it now allows me to tie into what I talked about last week with football as family and football and kind of the entertainment aspect and relate it to what came out with Baker Mayfield and GQ. I read that entire article. Obviously, I saw the Daniel Jones comments uh, saying, I can't believe that. Uh, you got to win. Uh, just, yeah, you know, his comments there. He obviously denied it, said, you know, that the GQ author, he misconstrued it and, you know, he'll do anything for a click and, you know, this is the media, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you you can find exactly verbatim what he said, but that's the gist of it. And, you know, I I, one thing that Baker Mayfield needs to understand is like there's serious percussions for misquoting someone in print journalism. Okay, I I've never done print journalism for a job, but even I know that. There are serious repercussions. You get media uh, license revoked. Uh, the people that you want to interview, you, like it has a, a residual effect. They won't want to speak with you. Okay, so journalists try to hold up that integrity the best they can because it affects them down the line and it affects them in the immediate. Uh, again, they won't. They'll have privileges revoked as far as uh, getting content out there, and obviously that's their business. So if he just thinks that he just blatantly misquoted him. Basically, he's lied, this author, which I don't even know his name, but I know he did the Jalen Ramsey article last year where Ramsey just you know went on a tirade uh, against every quarterback in the league, except Blake Bortles, his own at the time. Probably the only one good thing he did in that article. If Baker thinks that you know this author did this intently, he is sorely mistaken. I mean, that's just not the case. Authors do not do that. But the reason I think it ties into Andrew Luck is it, this goes back to the entertainment thing. Is football entertainment? Absolutely. Yes. But you know what it is? It's an entertainment without characters. At least that's what it should be in my mind. But for some reason, that's what's the masses, I think. I think that's what younger generation of fans, uh, media, uh, just everybody overall, I think that's, that's what they want football players to be. I want you to also be a character. When you put on those shoulder pads, when you put on that helmet, and even when you walk away, when you do GQ articles, I want you to stay in character for me. Honesty at all costs, yeah. I'll defend you no matter what, as long as you're being honest. F the team. Teamwork, that doesn't matter. Characters, that's what they want. They want you to stay in character on the field. They want you to spike that ball after a a third down or give them the third down sign. Shove it in the defender's face. Yeah, get that celebration penalty, even if it means 15 yards on the next play for your squad. Stay in character. You know, if that's what you want, that's fine. Because from an entertainment standpoint, if that's what you prefer, okay, I won't argue with that. I'll argue against how it affects the game and how it affects winning. But from a pure enjoyment standpoint, that's totally okay if you want that. However, what happened Saturday night, where there's vitriol, and I'm not even really getting into the fans at the Colts who were booing, because let's face it, there was like, what, 10,000 people there? Okay, a chorus of boos, it doesn't take that many for that to actually be heard within the dome. Okay, it's closed. You you can hear the sound readily, pr- pretty easily, okay? I'm not going to attribute that to the masses as far as Colts fans, is that that's how they felt with Andrew Luck. Most of them are probably uh, pretty happy for him, and are uh, at least happy that the, he gave him seven years. But overall... You know, uh, there was a tweet from um, 810 Sports in Kansas City. Her name is Allie Trost. Does a great job. If you need any of your uh, 
She does soccer as well for Sporting KC, but she covers the Chiefs for 810. Uh, she tweeted it out. She said, you know, this is an example of media and fans dehumanizing athletes. Uh, and I, you know, I totally agree. Andrew Luck makes a human decision and people stay, stay in tune with how they treat their characters, their football players. They're, they're upset. They're saying, screw you. You quit on us before the season. Well, you know what? Let, let's be clear here. If he's not all in on playing football, wouldn't you want him to back out? If he's not all in with his teammates or the city on the team playing quarterback, don't, don't you want him to walk away? Don't you want the guy that's going to give it his all? He simply said, hey, I, I don't have it in me. I can't do this rehab thing again. I thought this was just a calf injury that, you know, flared up back at OTAs. And now it's going to take, I mean, my guess is he was probably going to miss. They, they said he would be on track for week one. My guess is week five is probably at the earliest you would see him. He said, look, I, I don't have it in me, man. This is done. And you kind of see on the internet, we saw a little glimpse at the stadium, but I'm not going to attribute that to everything, everybody. You know, you do dehumanize athletes. And I, I talked about it a little bit as well on the last pod with football as family. A.B. giving gloves to a kid and that kid having tears streaming down his face. It's awesome to make, make kids happy, but is that the way kids should be happy? Glorifying just this human being, just this football player, to that extent that he got gloves? I don't think it's great to put him on... Uh, up on that level the platform that we talk about that they have it maybe we should just treat them more like human beings like regular guys because that's what they are they make regular decisions like Andrew Luck just tying in from last week Baker Mayfield you know you're you're already you're saying okay stay in character say what you want to say about Daniel Jones go back and forth with Colin Cowherd even though it's not the best representation of a football team even though it doesn't exactly keep things cohesive in the locker room. Go ahead, say what you want about your teammate, Duke Johnson, even though it might fester within the locker room and create discord. As long as you're being honest, as long as you're staying in character on the football field, to hell with everything else. Well, okay, if you think that, that's fine. But I hope you're not on the other side with Andrew Luck, where he makes a human decision and he gets ripped apart for it. I hope you can compartmentalize the two. Because football players, in my mind, they're not characters. They're simply entertainers who show up in shoulder pads and a helmet. I think I mentioned a few weeks back after I took a little two-week hiatus that, you know, this is predominantly going to be football here on the podcast just because uh, that is ramping up. I really feel like people enjoy those news cycles a little bit more. But I'm certainly not going to ignore baseball, okay? I'm still coming home every night watching it I got uh, I got the privilege now of having like Cubs and White Sox on the regional broadcast all the time so that's great I got the Cubs in the background right now Hamels is going for uh, for Chicago and uh, they're trying to fend off uh, a sweep here the Nationals they've taken the first two games against them at Wrigley Field Cole Hamels pitching uh, what a pickup you know I, I was kind of down on that just because of the money that you were paying him I didn't like the inflexibility it gave Theo Epstein and the Cubbies, but in typical Theo fashion, he is uh, he's found a way. And um, I, I thought it might be a little bit too much. I did pick him to win the division because I thought he would show up. Um, and, you know, he has. Theo. Not only has Theo Epstein gotten guys like Nick Castellanos for basically 
not much. I mean, I know he was a former first-round pick, but he wasn't performing all that well. He got a great bench option uh, as far as an outfielder is concerned. That's going to be big in the postseason. And then he, uh, you know, he found a way to get Lucroy as a as a uh, as an alternative as uh, Wilson Contreras is down here. So, and then of course the bullpen. He just continues to find guys to kind of shape that and uh, to kind of string them along as they go in here. The Cubs, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But the thing is, the St. Louis Cardinals, twelve of fifteen, Cardinals are winning. They are winning, and it's because of their pitching. Since the All Star break, I want to say they're fifth in the National League in ERA. So this team is playing together. This defense and this pitching staff is playing together. I think I want to say it's like a three-five-five ERA. I never really had too many questions. I really didn't. A lot of people, a lot of media members are upset. They didn't get an arm. They didn't get Jason Vargas. They didn't go out and get um, Zach Wheeler at the trade deadline. I'm okay with it. You know why? Because I think that the reinforcements were there. A few of them just had to get healthy. A few of them just had to get healthy, and now they are. And now you have some players playing up to their means as well. Dakota Hudson, I've been on him since the beginning, okay? I remember watching him in spring training. I said, this guy's got an elite sinker. In a day and age when you shouldn't throw sinkers, his is elite. He leads the MLB in ground ball rate. He got a pretty darn good uh, infield defense there. Uh, and then Jack Flaherty, you know, he's kind of he stepped it back up. Good for Jack Flaherty, okay? He's been lights out since uh, pretty much August, or no, pretty much since against San Francisco right before the break. He's been awesome. So I'm, I'm still keeping up with the Cardinals. You know, I, I come home and I got them on the tablet. Uh, I stream them through, you know, the, the other websites uh, to get them on and so I can, you know, check into their games. The one thing that has been a little bit surprising is Colton Wong, okay? Um, I would never expect him to kind of peak out this good. I know he's, uh, his batting average is in like the 300s, and he's getting on base. But the thing with Colton Wong, and I'll, I'll say it from the beginning, he is a predictable player, okay? He's very, very streaky. But the thing is, I don't think average offense, when uh, along with you know elite defense, it doesn't warrant just playing him every single day. It doesn't. Because elite defense at second base, I don't know how close, I don't know how much that moves the needle to a championship when you tag it along with average offense. I'd rather have above average offense and maybe subpar defense play at second base because those plays aren't as important on the field. They're just not. And plus, you can find you can find average second base play pretty much anywhere. And you know that, that it's the it's the most platoon uh, position out there for a reason. It's because you can put a guy there defensively, and then you're going to have an above-average hitter on the days when you need the offense. I just – to keep trotting him out there, it's not that he's paid that much. It's just you keep giving him opportunity after opportunity. And the thing in St. Louis has been, well, move him up in the lineup. And I'm just like, well, yeah, okay, you can do that while he's hot, sure. But it's not like he should just be sitting there, you know, from, from opening day on. I, I think they can afford to upgrade at second base. I really do. I think they can afford to upgrade on the infield overall. And there's a, mo- a guy that's coming to mind. He's had a big weekend here, and it kind of got me thinking, not just because he's hot this weekend. He's always been hot. He's not playing so much uh, up to his standard as he has in the past, uh, but I think that's also because of his elbow. And uh, he got back rather quicker than uh, than he was intended to. But that's D.D. Gregorius. I think the Cardinals should be after this guy. I think they should be after this guy uh, to play shortstop. Paul DeYoung can play third base. Uh, and then, of course, you got Matt Carpenter. He's still going to be on the team. He's having a miserable year. Um, but I, I just because you have five infielders doesn't mean that's a problem, okay? They get hurt. 
um, you you platoon, you uh, you mix and match. It's just it's not an issue in my mind. Didi Gregorius will be your shortstop. Paul DeYoung, who is vastly overrated once again. Okay, he, he's a good player. I like him, but let's be honest. If this is the guy who he is, it's okay to have him on the bench. It's okay. He he makes bench money. It's like five million bucks. So it now, if he plays better, then you play him. But it's great. You don't have to keep trotting him out there based on contract. There's really no one that you need to do that for other than Goldschmidt. And of course, you're going to do that with Goldschmidt because he's a hell of a player. He's your he is your uh, all star caliber. He's your elite level talent. Now Matt Carpenter. Um, I think there's going to be some retooling in his swing probably in the offseason. So at this point, you know, it's kind of difficult to say would he be a starter. I think there's going to be I think there's going to be an approach overhaul probably for Matt Carpenter if I had to venture down into the offseason. So I'm not really ready to say who would be a starter. But my whole point is, is that starters, they change all the time. They change all the time based on circumstance, who's hot, who's not, who's injured, who's not. Um, it's not a problem to have five starting caliber infielders on your team. Secondly, I don't think that precludes anything with Marcelo Zuna. They got to sign this guy up. Okay. Cause guess what? There's two questions I have with Marce- Marcelo Zuna shoulder five shoulder. Is it healthy? It sure looks healthy. He looks to be like a healthy player and he plays hard. He, uh, he loves to play. I know uh, Dan McLaughlin, uh, the regional broadcaster for the Cardinals, he mentions that all the time on the broadcast. I love that. It's so true. You can see Marcel Ozuna playing. He just loves to be out there, okay? And I'm not saying you hand him over money just for that alone, but he produces, and he's very predictable. You look at, like, his strikeout rates, his walk rates from, uh, like, from two years ago. The walk rates, it's, like, in the nine and a halfs. Ks, it's about 20%, which, like, that's league average. That's probably even a tad bit better than league average. And then you got the fly ball rates in the mid-30s, okay? It's actually up a little bit. Like, that's that, that's what you're going to get. And you know what? He's had a little bad, batted ball luck. He's probably, like, in the 280s right now, if I had to say. And typically, it's more, like, in the 305, 310. So, he's actually going to have some more better, like, uh, counting stats, if you will, in the coming years. My question, the other question, the second question is four or five. And I'm talking years in contract here because I don't think he's going to age gracefully. He's healthy right now, but I don't want to. I don't want him for age 33 season. I want him for 29 next year, 30, 31, and 32. Four year contract. I'll give it. I'll give it big. I'll give you like four. Ooh, four. Let's see. 20. He's going to be a 20 million dollar guy. I'd have to hammer out. But four years. If he wants to go beyond four years, then that's when I'm out. Okay, if I'm John Mazzetta, like that's when I would say, okay, then I'll just give you the comp pick, and uh, I mean you're gonna give him the comp pick, but I'll be satisfied with the what we recoup in that regards. But Marcelo Zuna, Didi Gregorius, I think this is where hitting as far as the Cardinals in the future, that's what they need to do. I think they're doing just fine now. They're on the heels of their pitching. Ultimately, I'm taking the Cubbies to catch them. I just think they're the better club. Uh, we got a big showdown coming here in a few weeks in Chicago. I'm going to be at a few of those games. Uh, but the Cardinals, their pitching is just fine. It's in the offseason with the hitting. That's what I think they need to target. Last thing I want to kind of end on here is uh, back to football. And it was something that I was actually going to lead in, but I will now close with here on the podcast in regards to football in the NFL. The biggest storyline, well, not the biggest, I don't know. Something that's just been talked about the last couple weeks because he's back from injury preseason has started and we've seen him in game action and that's San Francisco's Jimmy Garoppolo 
they say he's, you know, made a glass. He's, uh, you know, he's always hurt. He, he hasn't even played that good. I'm just like, dude, this guy showed so much within seven games. The two games with New England, uh, the five games with uh, with San Francisco, I believe, yeah, they went 5-0. and Or no, they went 7-0. and So it's like a total of nine games Jimmy Garoppolo has played. And I've never seen a quarterback that early dis- demonstrate different skill sets as far as the quarterback position and at a pretty high level, okay? Just throwing with anticipation, scanning the field, footwork, creating throwing lanes, finding throwing lanes, uh, different arm angles, the trajectory of the football. Uh, it's all there. It really is all there. I think he has all the talent in the world to be a good quarterback, uh, but he doesn't have that much experience. So, yeah, granted, there's going to be some growing pains. He has never played a full season. He's played just over half a season. He's played just over a half a season's worth of games, but he's been pretty doggone good doing it. Um, and just to say that it's just like, do the San Francisco 49ers have their guy? That's just t- typical media nowadays, okay? That's creating new cycles here uh, in the month of August, and I get it, okay? That's part of the business, but uh, I'm definitely not going down that path. And the reason I bring it up, the reason why uh, I think it's worthy talking about is I'm going to be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo here again soon. Uh, I won't say what that is, but yeah, giving you a little sneak peek of what I think about him. Uh, But that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. So until next week, please hit hit me up in those DMs. Fire away. I got football questions. All right, I got. uh, I want to know what you think is going to happen this year. If you have any questions as far as betting, what I think is going to happen, I'm going to give you a full preview and and breakdown as far as each division, who's going to make the playoffs. Uh, I guess I'll even throw in the awards and all that, even though I don't care about it too much. Um, I'll give my predictions there. But we're going to have a full season breakdown of the NFL. Still going to be talking baseball. Uh, I got the Dodgers and Yanks tuned up ready tonight. That's going to be a good one. Uh, That could be the World Series right there. Uh, But, yeah, hit me up at Pete4C, all social media. Fire over those questions. Slide up in those DMs. I'll say them right here on the show. You'll get a call out on the show. Or you can leave a voicemail, and basically you can rip me to shreds if you want. Okay, the number is going to be 816-226-7483. Go ahead, give me a call. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.